Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Good morning, everybody. Today is very special. We celebrate and rejoice with the 27 people who gained baptized. How many are here in this service here, gained baptized afterwards? So, back there. So, big hand to all of you. It's going to be exciting. You're going to get very wet today. About one month ago, I was wondering what to speak on today. And about four weeks ago, and I sensed the Lord impressing upon my heart to speak on a very important topic that I've not spoke about for a very long time in River Life. And... Today, I want to talk to you about uh, the Spirit-filled marriage. And I, I realize in our church, even those tuning in, there are many singles in our church, and there are many singles who are not married. There are many people who are divorced as well, and there are many who are married. But I want to say to you, in case you think this is not relevant to any of you here, or your marriage is fantastic, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, Chapter 13, verse 4, marriage should be honoured by all. So whether you're young or old, whether you're single or married or divorced or single again, marriage should be honoured by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So, so that, that's more like, not even in my slides. And I wanted to talk to you today about building marriages that transforms families and transforms communities. And we are here in Passeris for a reason. And we would like the family-friendly culture of the church to spill over to our community as well. But that starts with the church being healthy in the first place. And that's where we want to start today. Those who are married can learn how to nurture healthy marriages. And those who are single can learn how to be a godly, potential, good spouse. And some of you think, you know, maybe you think you're quite good already. You're ready for marriage, you know. There's always something you can learn that's new for you. And you can also learn how to discern and look for a godly spouse. This year, in fact, next month, Diana and I will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. And after three decades of being husband and wife, we have realized that marriage has different seasons. There are very good seasons. There are difficult seasons. There are just the everything in between. I remember the first four years was very difficult for us in our marriage, emotionally. It was very challenging. And the next four years was very physically draining as the twins came along. And for some of you here, if you're in a difficult season, you think, you know, I, I, I want to get out because it's supposed to be great all the time. And we don't realize that there are different seasons in a marriage. And we also realize after 30 years, next month of being married together, that marriage is deeply spiritual which is why I chose this topic today. So what goes on in a marriage or in any relationship is there is a spiritual dimension. People don't realize this. And they think it's about emotions and feelings only. So marriage is deeply spiritual. And so before I, I move on, I want to define marriage for you. Marriage is a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman. It's lifelong. One life, one man, and one woman. And throughout social science literature, we find a very strong correlation between the breakdown of the family and increase in child poverty. A breakdown in the family and increased juvenile delinquency. Breakdown in family, increase in child abuse, poor academic performance, addictions and health problems. We're not saying that everybody who grew up in a home like this is going to be like this, but we're saying that there's a trend. 
It's a fact. And that's the reason why we have heard, as the marriage goes, so goes the family. As the family goes, so goes the nation. And that's why our government puts so much resources into, into family. So marriage is central to life and society. And God gives us very clear guidance on marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33, is the longest, the most detailed Bible passage on the assignment of the husband and the assignment of the wife in this marriage relationship that's spiritual. And one month ago, when I was pondering and praying what to, pray, what to preach on today, I realized the context of this longest and most detailed scripture on marriage. The context is actually the first three verses of, uh, of I'm sorry, the three verses before this, which is Ephesians chapter 5. So the context of marriage is actually the previous three verses. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20, which I want to show to you today. In fact, I want to read it to you today. It says that, um, do not be drunk on wine. In other words, don't be controlled by substances, which leads to debauchery while living. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So marriage is deeply spiritual. And so, so the context of marriage here is a passage about being baptized in the Spirit and continually filled with the Spirit. And speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks, thanksgiving to, the, to God our Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so the context of marriage is being continually filled in the Holy Spirit. So I, I mentioned to you, one baptism in the Spirit, many infillings. And so in that context, then marriage. So that's why the Spirit-filled marriage. So this Ephesians 5, 18-20, about being continually baptized in the Spirit, continually filled with the Holy Spirit, is a vitally important scripture about living an effective Christian life, not only in marriage, but in every aspect of life. And the question is not so much, oh, how much of the Holy Spirit do, you, do I have? Huh? The question is, how much of, the, of you does the Holy Spirit have? Being filled with the Holy Spirit talks about how are we guided and led hearing His voice, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that plays out in our marriage, in our parenting, in our singlehood, in every aspect of life. To be an effective Christian, we need the power of God. It means that every part of my life is permeated and controlled by the Spirit. In the original Greek here, it means continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then we ask, so how? How do I live a Spirit-filled marriage? As a single, how do I prepare myself to experience in future potentially a Spirit-filled marriage? And if you're married, how do I live a spiritual marriage? Thankfully, the Bible doesn't leave us to guess. How do I live a spirit-filled marriage? After talking about this passage about being filled with the Holy Spirit continually, how does this look like? Thankfully, God gave us the answer in the next passage in Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. So let's stand together as I read the scripture to honor, God, to honor God's word. Let's stand together. This is about the spirit-filled marriage. Whether you're single, whether you're married or single again, this applies to you because you've got to honor marriage and I've got to honor marriage. Submit to one another. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, 
as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every scripture is inspired by you and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that a man and woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good thing. Lord, would you equip us, would you empower us, and anoint us for effective Christian life? Would you anoint us to live spirit-filled lives as singles, as marrieds, as parents, as grandparents, as aunties, as uncles, as nephews and nieces, as siblings, as children, cause us to live spirit-filled lives, always being thankful, always giving praises to you, and living our lives permeated by your presence, being a people of your presence. Lord, shape our marriages, our household, to be families of your presence and married couples of your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of us say, Amen. Please be seated. The Spirit-filled marriage, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. This text was written to a church in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. It was written to singles, once again, to marrieds, to single again, to young and to old. It applies to everybody, and everybody got to honour marriage and keep the marriage bed pure. If Hebrews 13.4 tells us that. The first spiritual truth about marriage is that, number one, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul begins his text on marriage by telling us, in fact, singles included, for everyone to submit to everyone else. And this is the standard for all Christians, male or female, single or married, young or old, submit to one another for all time. This is the primary biblical imperative. This is the primary command before Paul even jumps to marriage. So it's not just wives of the husbands. It's everyone submit to everyone in the house of God. And then Paul talks about this in, in Colossians chapter 3. And he says in Colossians 3, 23, he continues, Whatever you do, work it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And hence you will know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus that you are serving. So Paul talks about this similarly in Colossians 3, that whatever we do in submitting to one another, we're doing it as if we're submitting to Christ. So the husbands to the wife, submit to the wife as if to, the, to Christ. And the wife to the husband as if to Christ. And single to one another as if to Christ. So similarly on this, Paul talks about in mutual submission to the marriage. So the husband and the wife submit to one another. So our love for one another is demonstrated in how we treat our spouse. And each spouse must put the other person ahead of ourselves. So a wife says to the husband, you know, I, I know you want to play tennis today, so I will visit my sister next weekend. And the husband says, it's, it's okay, honey. I can play tennis next weekend. 
this weekend we'll visit your sister. And so we see a husband and a wife submitting and putting the other person ahead of themselves. And, and this is very difficult to remember, whether you're married or single, when we're in the thick of a quarrel. We only think of the way you treat me, which is not very nice. How are we supposed to submit to one another when you treat me so poorly? Is the question. But the answer is God does not command us to submit to one another based on how nice they are. This is never mentioned in the text. And the point is loving the other person, honoring the other person is a statement about our reverence and love for Jesus and that we love this other person because this person is made in the image of God. So when we honour this person, we're making a statement to the whole world that we're honouring Jesus and loving Jesus and this person is created in the image of Jesus. When our hearts are filled with the presence of God, we contribute to the joy of the home our children feel secure. They feel loved. The marriage is healthy. If we live to please Jesus, we will build strong marriages. People will come to the house and feel something is different here. There is an X factor with this couple. Something different. They don't know it's the presence of God. That this couple is filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't know that. But something is different. I like coming here. As we walk submitting to Jesus, honouring His presence in our lives, we will have no problem submitting to one another and seeking to serve one another. So the first thing about marriage is not even about marriage. It's about submitting to one another. And this applies to Everybody not just those who are married, but also to those who are married, as we will see in the next few verses. And so we live by this principle of mutual submission to one another. That's why relationships are spiritual. Marriage is spiritual. We want to honour the presence of Jesus in the other person. We want to honour that that person is made in the image of God. will be able to obey this principle as we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. The three critical Christian experiences for a new believer, salvation, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. The three in one we call it. And there's only one baptism in the Spirit, many in feelings. And the Bible tells us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit and then live a Spirit-filled life and marriage. And so that's the context. So one baptism, many infillings, continually experiencing God, being permeated with His presence. So, so we see here the principle of mutual submission. And next we see that God gives different assignments in a marriage. And if these assignments are followed through, the husband follows his assignment and the wife follows her assignment, it will meet the unique emotional needs of the opposite sex. And so God has created marriage and family to look after and care for 7 billion people. That people can grow up feeling safe, loved, secure. And as a result, they can love. They can get to know other people as well. And they can grow up to become a secure, productive citizen of the nation. And so God gave this. So in this passage of Scripture, God does not remind us of our rights, but of our roles, of our assignment in marriage. And if these assignments are followed, it will meet the unique emotional needs of our spouse. And we see here, there's going to be fantastic outcomes when God who gives different assignment to the husband and to the wife in marriage. So singles, you may not feel this. You may not see this. 
newlyweds in the world of your own may not see this. But everyone who has been married for some time recognize the extreme difficulty in living out these assignments. And I want to share with you today the different assignment God has given to the husband and to the wife. And Scripture does not talk about rights. It talks about our roles. It emphasizes our assignment. And for every assignment, there is a grace. Every assignment, there is empowerment, anointing. And that's why the Spirit-filled marriage. So the first assignment, it goes to the wives. Uh, in verses uh, 22, uh, um, my second point is radical love, which is the assignment in marriage, and radical respect for a godly marriage. So there's radical love, or agape, unconditional love, and radical respect in a marriage. So that's the assignment. And so the assignment for the wife, wives, verses 22, 23, and 24, respect your husband. So, so early on, I, I told you about submitting to one another, right? A singles, marriage, everybody in the kingdom. So the wife's submission to the husband is expressed as respect, as honor, as I'm his cheerleader. So that's how the wife's submission is expressed, as, as respect. So, but it's radical what the scripture says here because the wives are supposed to submit to their husband as they submit to Christ in verse 22. This is not to respect your husband when you like him. It is not to respect your husband only if you agree with what he says. And wives are commanded to respect the husband as if he's to Christ and in everything in verse 24. It sounds so crazy. It sounds so medieval. And obedience here is so difficult for the wife because it is to respect our husband no matter how he behaves. This is crazy. It's radical. And this assignment is repeated in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. So it sounds so radical, this thing. And I want to tell you what God is thinking from what we understand Scripture. Men feel loved when they are respected. Men feel loved when they're respected. So God is giving this assignment to wives to meet the unique emotional needs of their spouse. And of course, wives, you can disagree with your husband, but you can disagree respectfully. Because if you disrespect your husband in front of others, no one will respect him. And your role as a wife is to, be con is to help your husband to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That's why you are his greatest cheerleader. Encourage your husband, honour him that he can find strength to lead the family. And no one's respect means more to him than you. When your husband gets retrenched, Say to him, I believe in you. I will stand with you. We can get through this by the grace of God. Men feel loved when they're respected. Wives, your role is to respect your husband, to honor him. That is how a spirit-filled wife looks like. Someone who honours and respects her husband. Doesn't mean she never agree, disagrees with him, she does, but respectfully. That is how a spirit-filled wife looks like. The second assignment is for husbands. Husbands, love your wife. Early on I told you, submit to one another. The husband's submission to the wife is expressed by loving her. 
by loving her. And this meets her emotional, I'm sorry, unique emotional needs. And so the wives submit by respecting and the husbands submit by loving. And consider how radical this is, how medieval this is. The love here is agape love. It means not just an action or, a, okay, la, I, I vacuum the floor for you or I, I do this for you. It, it's, it's more than just, just a, a token action or just an attitude in the heart. God intends for the husband to nourish his wife, to cherish her, to give yourself up for her sacrificially so that she can become the person God has designed her to become. God has created you to help her to become all that God has destined her to become. It's giving her the emotional help. It's touching her emotionally and touching her spiritually. Because marriage, relationships, is deeply spiritual. When times are difficult in a marriage, if today you're in a difficult season, you have a choice. Love your wife radically, no matter what she does. Or give up and damage that relationship. I want to encourage you, River Life, to love your wife as Christ loved the church, in verse 25. And this is how he loves his bride sacrificially. And, and you win your wife. Maybe she can be difficult. You win her by your life of sacrificial love. The way Christ loved the church, you win her with your sacrificial love. And it's not just sacrificial, it's also sanctifying. The, the Bible talks about sanctification here in verses 26. And, and the root word in Greek is holy. So, so love your wives sacrificially and also to with the love that's holy. So, so the, 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 the worldview of the secular culture is that marriage is for happiness. You get married to, for self-fulfillment, for self-happiness. That's the worldview in secular culture. But the Bible turns it around to say that marriage is not about happiness. It's about holiness. And when your bride is holy, when your bridegroom is godly, when the husband and the wife are both spirit-filled and they're godly, that's where you have an amazing marriage. That's where the happiness comes in. See, the world has it the, the, wrong, way, the wrong way around. The world is looking for happiness and the Bible is guarding for holiness. And when your wife is godly, when your husband is holy, that's when you have a secure marriage a solid, healthy marriage. So the, the goal, God's goal in marriage is to make us holy, not happy. This is a byproduct. And so you, the Bible says in verse 26, you sanctify your bride by the washing with the word. That's why we have told you the past few years that marriage is what we call private discipleship. In all the relationships, in discipleship, this is the, the closest one. Where the husband and wife are in a private discipleship arrangement. Where they're washing each other with the word and being sanctified as the word washes us clean. And the word is there, the spirit is there. It's a spirit-filled marriage. And the final type of love, besides, besides that sacrificial and sanctifying, is this. You love your wife as your own body. So here, you know, like, like you, you cut your fingernails and you, you, you go for your shower and all that. So you nourish your bride as if she is your body. So you love her with a nourishing love because she is your body. The Bible says in Genesis 2 that two becomes one. So she is your body. So look after her. Cherish her and nourish her. And this assignment is repeated in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with your wife. Don't be harsh, meaning don't call her honey. Then treat her like vinegar. There was a German study 
some years ago where German doctors and German psychologists did a study on what happens when a man kiss their wife right before going to work every day, compared to men who just walk out, see, bye-bye. The study found out those who kiss their wife every morning, they missed work a lot less because of sickness. They basically got sick lesser. They also found that those who kiss their wife every day have less car accidents on the way to work. True story. And the husbands who kiss their wife every day also earn 10 to 30% more than those who didn't kiss their wife. <laughs> wow, this excites you. <laughs> okay. The researchers concluded that a simple encouragement in the form of loving one another makes an incredible difference. The gentleness of words and action towards each other in love is key. So husbands, our assignment is to love our wife, is to cherish her and to model the unconditional love between Christ and the church. And that is how a spirit-filled husband looks like. Love and respect are very difficult. Making the decision to respect your husband, to love your wife, is so difficult. How can we love our wife when we naturally think of ourselves? Ephesians reminds us it is impossible unless you're being filled with God's presence. And the answer in conflict in every friendship is the presence of God that gives us wisdom in everything else. And today... I want to speak to married couples specifically here. If you're taking notes, right, you should be. They are f- write the five things, write out five things that you think your spouse needs. Five things. What you think your spouse needs from you. Okay, now, I want to share with you mine, okay? One is that uh, for me, watching movies, I like the movies that are, that are a lot of shooting, a lot of explosions, and, and don't, don't think too much, you know, just go and... It's called action movies. But my wife, she likes stories, conversations, <laughs> singing. And one time, she made me watch a movie, which I said, okay, I will do it because I know you want this from me. So we watched... I told her to watch Les Miserables, the opera. She was so happy. I was there. Yeah, okay. And, and then... <laughs> And then, and then she wanted to watch it on the movies. She's in Chinese church today, so she's not here. Please, okay. So, uh, so she wanted to watch it on the movies. And we wanted to watch the movie. It was painful because I saw Russell Crowe singing opera. It was painful, but I had to do it. The guy from Gladiator, yeah. And, and more seriously, so our wedding anniversaries, this July is our 30th one. So, so over the past earlier years, we just went for a special meal together and I arranged that. But she said, can we, um, in, a part, in the last many years, she said, can we have a retreat? We can pray together. We can reflect on our marriage together. And I said, I have a, another holiday besides the Sabah one in December. And she said, yeah. And so, so she, she, she needed, wanted that. So we've been having this retreat like a staycation for many years already since then. So write down the five top things what you feel your spouse wants or needs from you. Our off days are Mondays, and usually off days is when we, we rest. Um, but because Diana visits her mom in Angmokyo every Monday, and she does ask if I can come along with her, and she talks in Teochew with her mother over lunch, and I, I don't speak Teochew, I speak in tongues, but then, uh, then, then, um, but then I realized that in December, I go back to Sabah, I speak Hakka, and she doesn't understand Hakka, and she's there with me also. So Mondays, I'm going with her to, to see her mom. And so, so make a list of five things, what your wife needs from you or wants from you. And then maybe your spouse needs date nights. 
And I want to show you on screen uh, a suggestion for you to go on a date. Okay, so maybe some of you need a marriage weekend, a marriage retreat. <laughs> Take notes, okay. So we're trying to help you with practical things to build your marriage. So be spirit-filled. And this is also in the bulletin. So you can uh, get more information from the bulletin. Now, um, as I summarize um, this point, before I make my final point later on, so today we talked about mutual submission. Just mutual submission. Everyone submitted to everyone in the, in the kingdom of God. And also, secondly, we talked about the different assignments for the husband and the wife. And if they are followed through, will meet the emotional needs of the, of the opposite sex. And, and so here, before I go on to my final point for today, uh, there was a couple in our church in River Life. I met them four years ago in, in a zonal camp with Pastor Thomas and Susan. And, and so for four years, I've been thinking about this couple. And, and about one month ago, when I was, I felt I should talk about this topic. And, and their, their names came up, their face came up in, in my heart. And so I spoke to their leaders, and their leaders also uh, encouraged them to share their testimony as well. So I'm going to invite a couple to come and share with us their testimony. And their story is quite amazing. And it comes with three parts. The first part in their story is how, what their life was like before they met Jesus. And the other part about how their marriage fell apart. And then how God led him back to himself and to each other. So would you welcome Eugene and Singh to come forward, please? So this is Eugene, in case you're not sure, this is Singh uh, Thank you. Testing, testing. testing. Thank you, uh, Pastor Ben. Testing. Okay. Testing, testing. Um, morning, Jesus. Um, morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Eugene. Good morning, Jesus. Morning, everyone. I'm Singh um, we got married in 1999. Um, we were a happy couple, uh, bringing children to visit malls uh, every weekend, shopping for daily necessities and leading a typical family life. And our life centered um, around work, uh, children, um, food and leisure. One day, I reflected and thought, is life more than this? Grow up, study, work, get married, have children, pay bills, and eventually die. Something is missing. With growing discontent, I decided I could contribute more to society rather than living a life like this. So I've strived to enhance my career so as to avoid a mundane life, and I lost myself. In the midst of all the striving, I fell into temptation on the pleasures of life. I saved up and I worked hard and I went traveling with friends and even with strangers who became friends. It was something that I've wanting it very badly to explore the adventures and wonders of the world. I could not have achieved it either being burdened by the family vacation expenses or being guilt conscious, leaving them in the lurch. Eventually, I became dissatisfied with my marriage and family. So I split it up and have shared custody so I can manage one child on my own independently. Um, during then, um, unlike uh, Singhni, I, I thought life was just about um, getting a good job and with good pay, um, supporting families, uh, raising kids, and uh, bringing them out for holidays. I think as long as all of us are well and healthy, uh, I was happy and content to live this way uh, for the rest of my life. Soon after the divorce in December 2011, I became more driven in my career. I purchased an apartment in the East and stayed with our younger child while our older one stayed with Eugene. As we did not meet often, my relationship with our elder child drifted. Though she chatted with me from time to time, I could sense that she did not want to be touched, even hugs or holding hands. 
This made me feel distant and sad. She did not seem happy and kept mostly to herself. She sought solace from friends with similar broken family backgrounds. It took her quite some time to get over the fact that we were separated. After our divorce, um, I drowned my sadness um, by devoting my time to work. I withdrew from friends as I felt um, inferior due to my broken marriage. I stayed out most of the time as I did not want to go back to an empty nest uh, with no one to talk to. So to take care of my uh, two girls, I rented a place to stay near uh, Singni House, so just to let the girls see each other daily. And when I went on overseas a business trip, uh, the elder one would stay with Singni, hoping that this would help uh, them closer despite on our uh, divorce. I met Jesus here in 2014. After visiting several churches, my colleague recommended me to River Life Church, which was near my home. I attended Faith at Home in 2015, September. During the break, a brother approached me with a message. He said that God sees me as a beautiful vase, broken and full of cracks. Yet, he still loved me and always be with me. I was overwhelmed by this message and I broke down profusely. My faith with Christ deepened as I attended Alpha course, followed by restoring the foundation, prayer sessions, as you see from here. The support from fellow brothers and sisters, pastors in River Life makes me feel safe at home. I'm loved, I'm supported, and I'm not alone. This led my decision to be baptised in 2017. Through my growth in the knowledge of God's truth, I realised that God hates divorce. So I sought the Lord for forgiveness in my relationship and began to treat Eugene as a friend, inviting him and my family to join Alpha Course in 2018. Um, uh, I heard about Jesus when actually Singh invited me to a real-life zona camp in 2018. And that's the year uh, we met uh, Pastor Ben. And um, we started to build, uh, uh, my I started to build my relationship with, uh, with uh, him. I'm in the same year, Singh uh, enrolled us to attend Alpha Course. It was then that I met Jesus during the Holy Spirit weekend. And uh, my faith and trust in him deepened gradually. And in 2020, um, I was baptized in water. And for the past three years, uh, I felt my faith growing year on year. And I'm blessed to have very supportive self-group members to guide me during this uh, spiritual group. I recall that I often did not understand Bible verse and how it relates to our daily life. Self-group members were very helpful in explaining scripture to me in everyday language. And today they are here and I thank you very much. Thank you, Chen Xinghua, CGAA. Yeah. It was not an easy journey, but I kept, I kept my faith in him. At that time, even though that we, had, we had reconciled, there was a period of uneasiness to explain to our children why we want to be together again. Our elder child did not understand, kept to herself, and both of them were even uncomfortable to see us holding hands again. One of our CG beloved sisters journeyed alongside us and walked through the faith journey with my elder daughter when she accepted Christ and she gradually opened up and accepted our reconciliation. And when my faith... Um became stronger. My relationship with Singh also strengthened. And with God's uh, presence, we learned to respect and understand each other. And then uh, God unexpectedly uh, shown us the same verse, uh, Psalm 118 verse 24, on two occasions. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. And this verse truly reflects how God brought us back together again. Um, we both wanted to know God's uh, perspective towards marriage and we hope to fill up uh, our gaps in, uh, I mean in our life through God's presence. So we joined River Life uh, Marriage Preparation Course. And after the course, we decided to start afresh in our relationship. 
and we recognize, as we recognize the importance of marriage in Christ as a covenant with the Lord. Before, my idea of marriage was more self-seeking, which is what mostly people feel. Marriage is just a contract. After the course, there's a deep realization to me that marriage is far more than that. It's God's instituted and God-centered. When I choose to honor God in my marriage, I choose to put my spouse before me. I know that God will make it beautiful in the end. I fully affirm uh, what she says. As a result, we chose to renew our wedding vow again, and this time, thank you. Um, and this time, in the presence of our Lord and witnessed by our cell members in March uh, this year, praise Lord for His blessing. Though I'm a young Christian, my increasing faith made me realize that only God can help in all circumstances. But we need to seek Him first, as in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. We recognize that there is a river whose dreams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And for us, that stream is from our River Life Church. And glory, glory to, to God, God and, and thank you, you Real Lifers, for personally joining with us. Thank you. Another hand to Jesus. I've never heard a story like that, so thank you for encouraging us with the story. Thank you, uh, Chinko and Shok Hong and the whole team for staying behind them all these years. Amen. Let's thank God for all the leaders and all the cell group as well. And that's what I mean that when the Lord restores our life, when His presence continues to fill our lives, then it's going to cause this kind of impact. And it's going to spill over to our families, our communities, and also past series. And so we, we are praying that the, the family-friendly culture of the kingdom of God can transform all those within and spill over to those who are outside as the river of God flows. And so we could actually end the service here already. <laughs> just, just a bit more. <laughs> From their story, you could tell that um, they, they drifted apart. Drifted apart and, and it could happen to any one of us. And you could tell also from their story that the values that hold them together was not very strong, not very clear. And that's why I wanted to, to, to kind of end the sermon with the last point, which is the design of marriage. The design of marriage. Number three, God is, marriage is God's design. God has a specific purpose in marriage. People think it's just for fun, just for happiness, just for sex, uh, that kind of thing. So, so God has a specific purpose for marriage. And verses 31 and 32 talks about that. The importance of marriage for Society, for the family. So the first part, the two parts here is about the earthly marriage, natural marriage, which is the oneness of the husband and wife. So verse 31 is a direct quote of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. You shall leave your parents, leave, cleave with your spouse, and then become one. So leave, cleave, become one. So, so there, there are three elements as a package in marriage. So for your marriage to start on the right foot, some of you are engaged right now, or in MPC right now. For your marriage to start on the right foot, there are three elements from Genesis 2.24 and also verse 31 here. The first one is leave your parents. In other words, prioritize your spouse. Don't every time, Mamiya, should I brush my teeth tonight? Nah? Mamiya, uh, I give my house tea, you come and uh, stop my fridge, okay? So you leave your parents and you cleave with your, so you prioritize your spouse. So in other words, we still honor our parents. But now the primary relationship is not with our spouse. Our spouse and our children is our priority. We still honor our parents. We still love our grandparents. We still pray and, and respect them. 
But now the primary relationship is husband and wife. And the parents must also let go. So leave. So that's the first element. The second is total commitment. Not just prioritize, total commitment. Cleave. So being joined together happens at the wedding ceremony. So when God puts two becomes one, it's a permanent bond broken only by death. And so God created marriage, one woman, one man, and one life. It doesn't matter if uh, I don't feel like it anymore. Oh, rather she's like that, he's like that. This is for life. And thirdly, they become one flesh. You leave, you cleave, you one flesh. One flesh means sexual, physical intimacy. And so notice the order. You leave, and then you cleave, and then there's sexual intercourse. So there is a, there is a, there is a package, there is a format. So the last one depends on the first two elements. So God has three elements here, one and two and three. So there is an order for a purpose, and all three could be present to have a marriage made in heaven. So the original marriage, which is Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, points to the marriage of Christ and the church. So that's why it's about holiness. People talk about happiness. It's about holiness. So 3B, so the earthly marriage points to an eternal reality, which, which is which is the oneness between Christ and the church. So the, the, the marriage mustn't break up because Christ and the church is eternal, together, one. Two becomes one. So the earthly marriage is a picture of the eternal reality. That's why don't enter into marriage lightly, carelessly. So the ultimate marriage is that Jesus loves the church and the church is his bride. And this is a profound mystery, verse 32 says. A mystery means that it, is, it wasn't very explicit in the Old Testament, but it was made clear after Jesus came. And the Holy Spirit illuminated this in the New Testament when the apostles wrote the New Testament. So the mystery of marriage now revealed is about the spiritual connection. Marriage is spiritual. Husband and wife that goes beyond sex, that goes beyond physical. That's why you see marriages that last a very long time, the husband and the wife looks alike, like they're twins. Something spiritual, something sacred there. And there's also a sacred connection between Christ and the church. And, and the, the husband and the wife, Christ and the church is also connected. It's a profound mystery. So God gave earthly marriage as a picture of what he wants to do between Jesus and the church. So in other words, through a Christian husband and a Christian wife, they obtain the whole world in their marriage that Jesus loves the bride. He will never forsake her. He will die for her. That's what our marriage is supposed to portray. It points to this eternal reality. And that non-believers can see, aha, now I get it, that Jesus loves me. This I know, for your marriage tells me so. So many people want to find fulfillment in their spouse and are disappointed. And you see here, not one iota, not one comma, talks about personal fulfillment, personal happiness. But it talks about our assignments and the purpose of marriage. God created marriage as a living display of the love relationship between Christ and His bride. So the highest meaning of marriage is to put the covenant between Christ and the church on public display, public, for everyone to see. That's what marriage is all about. And the world says it's about your happiness. And that's why people need a revelation. But the honest truth is that it's very hard to live a marriage like this. It's impossible to live a marriage 
that tells the whole world is about Jesus and the bride. It takes the supernatural to reveal the supernatural. It takes God to reveal God. That's why my final verse today is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And the Bible says that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, be filled, be baptized with God's Spirit and not with ourself. Don't be full of ourself. And such a marriage will renew our households, our extended family, and transform our communities. We can't live out this design by our own. It can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit. And that's why God is forming River Life to be a people of His presence. When I'm not filled with His presence, I become anxious. My speech doesn't honor God, hurts my wife. I can't love my wife all the time with my own strength. I can't. My, my default mode is self-focused. Our default mode is self-focused. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we can stop ourselves in the default and not react in the flesh. We can be a spouse with a different spirit, the Spirit of God. And that means depending on Him to make us the person we need to be in marriage. And that means that God growing the fruit in me. And then by the fullness of the Holy Ghost in my life, I can live a marriage that's made in heaven. And I'll be, obe I'll be able to obey my assignment in my marriage. God's Spirit can enable me. Now a word to all singles here. Get married, but not with fulfillment as your goal. If you're single... Don't think any less of yourself. You have worth. If you, if you need a mate, ask the Lord. But don't go into marriage with fulfillment as your goal because you'll be disappointed with happiness as your goal because that's not the way it was designed. For all of us, whether you're single again, whether you're married or single, we don't deserve each other's agape. We don't. But by His grace, we are one body and members of one another. So I want to challenge all of us here to take some time to consider our relationships. Because relationships are spiritual. Are you submitting to the Spirit of God? Are you bringing this relationship to an attitude of surrender? Ask God to change our focus and make our relationships the way it should be. Now, um, would you close your eyes? We, we are running out of time, but today I wanted to pray for you. Uh, and, and I'm sorry that we are ending a bit late today. But allow me to pray for you before we end. Now, the first group of people I want to pray for today are those of you here who you're, in, you're married and you're in a difficult season. You're in a tough season in your marriage, either financially, parenting, a lot of conflict or it's just tense in your marriage. You're in a difficult season of your marriage right now. And, and, and I want to invite you to pray for your marriage, to contend for your marriage and to bring your marriage to the Lord. If you're in a difficult season, there are ups and downs in marriage seasons and maybe you're in a down season right now. So that's the first group I'm going to pray for. You don't have to raise your hands but I'm going to pray for you in a while's time, okay? The second group I want to pray for today, the Lord spoke to me so clearly one month ago that there are many of us in River Life who are disillusioned with marriage and some of you are single. And you're disillusioned because of your parents, the way that they fought, or your grandparents, the way that they were living separate lives. You're disillusioned with marriage, but God has spoken to you today, you need to honour marriage. You need to make a stand for healthy marriage. I'm sorry, and I, I'm so sorry that you went through a difficult time as a child, as a grandchild, because of fighting in your house. That was not meant to be the way. And the Lord will want to heal you from the ungodly belief, a wrong worldview of marriage. Marriage is supposed to be beautiful, godly, spirit-filled. 
and we are sorry that you didn't experience that in your life. Or maybe even you're married and you're disillusioned because you're divorced maybe today. And the Lord is asking you today to make a stand for marriage. Even though you're single or divorced or even married. But you need to honour marriage. Not because I say so, because the Lord tells us so. And thirdly, I want to pray for those of you here, your marriage is quite okay. In fact, it's going quite well. Maybe you're, you're making a lot of money. Maybe you're, you're fantastic. You're very happy with each other. But something's missing in your marriage. It's the God element that's missing. Maybe everything else is fantastic. By Singaporean standards, you, you hit all the right marks. But God is not central in your marriage. And I, and I wanted to pray for you as well that, that, that God become the center of your marriage, the center of your life. And for you not, not to look at outward circumstances. I rejoice that your marriage is, is healthy. I rejoice that it's going well. But I want to encourage you to put Christ in the center. If you're in any of these categories, can you please stand up? I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to close, okay? So if you're in any of these categories, number one, you're in a difficult season. Number two, you're disillusioned with marriage. Number three, God could be center of your marriage. Please stand up. Any of these three, I'm going to pray for you right now, wherever you are. Just, oh, just one more second, two more seconds. Is there anyone else? Difficult season, disillusionment, and the God-centeredness. Is there anyone else? Okay. Church, um, those standing up, uh, I want to honour you. Would you raise your hands unto the Lord, both your hands unto the Lord, and receive from Him as I pray for you. Father, I want to pray for every man and every woman standing up. And Lord, you know what they're going through right now in their, in their lives. And I want to honour them as they honour you. And I pray, Lord, for an outpouring of your presence. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your grace for this season of their marriage. Father, I want to pray for an outpouring of your mercy on the sore points of this difficult season in the marriage. And I pray, Lord, for a strengthening of the weak areas and honesty to discuss about the problem areas and for couples to get help for those areas. So I pray for humility, honesty, and surrenderedness, Lord, during the difficult season. And for parenting issues, Father, I pray for extra grace upon parenting issues during this season as well. Lord, may your spirit just blow over, move over these marriages. Lord, bring the husband and the wife closer together. Lord, close those gaps, Lord, Holy Spirit. Lord, bring grace, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for those who are disillusioned with marriage because we were hurt physically, we were hurt emotionally and, and our hearts are scarred for so many years because of the violence, because of the neglect, because of the words that were said to us, because we had to sit in a corner while the rest eat their, their dinner or their lunch. We were exiled. We were abandoned. We were not loved. Father, you are our Father. And Heavenly Father, would you come and embrace every single one that's disillusioned with marriage. Would you hold us in your arms? Would you hold us, embrace us, and assure us, Lord, and break off any hurts. Heavenly Father, we are sorry that our hurts, our emotions, 
have solidified over the years to become an ungodly belief against marriage. We are sorry that we didn't process our emotions with somebody, that our emotions have crystallized to become an ungodly worldview. Lord, would you teach us 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 to subject every thought, every emotion to Jesus and to Scripture and to heal us, Lord, of this ungodly worldview and to honour marriages, to pray for marriages. Father, I pray also for those of us here that are having a fantastic life, fantastic marriage. Only thing is, Lord, that you are not in the centre of it. And I pray for every single marriage like that. And I pray, Lord, that we will seek you first and your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, change my priorities. Shift my hearts, Lord, that I'll prioritise you. Lord, as you speak to me about something I need to do, something I need to repent, let me obey that straight away right now to put you first. Whether it's joining a cell group, whether it's speaking to a leader, speaking to a pastor, an elder, about where our marriage is. Lord, cause me to obey immediately. Rapid obedience, as we heard last Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. I bless every single one standing. Lord, I bless their marriage. I pray for your presence, Lord, to flow in their marriage. And I pray for your, your river that's fresh to heal, to restore, to bring joy once again. And Lord, that you are first in our, in our lives, in our marriage, in our families. And all this, we pray in Jesus' name. All of us say, let's all stand together. Let's all stand together. Would you receive the benediction, everybody? May the love of the Father, may the grace of His Son Jesus, His only Son Jesus, and may the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you saturate you, drench you, overflow in your life, guide you, speak to you, strengthen you, heal you, empower you for life and for ministry and for your work and for your family. Amen. 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 God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.